Hey everyone, welcome to But Why the Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, we wanted to make sure that you take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes or wherever you listen. It's the easiest way for people to find us and it helps us hear your feedback. Beyond that, come and join our conversation on Twitter at ButWhyThoughPC and on Facebook, facebook.com slash ButWhyThoughPC. And if you like what you're doing and you want to support us a little more, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash ButWhyThoughPC. And if a monthly subscription is too much for you, make sure you check out our t-shirts. We have t-shirts open on TeePublic and available for purchase on our website through the merch tab, ButWhyThoughPodcast.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, and today we're doing a follow-up episode to our to episode fifty-seven, Kaiju uh, Godzilla Matters. I forgot I had to change that name because I realized Godzilla <laughs> is kind of the only thing that matters in a lot of ways. Um, but we have a very special, amazing, talented guest here today: the King of Kaiju, Matt Frank. Hey everybody! <laughs> I'm using the power of the internet because I couldn't be bothered to show up in person. Um. <laughs> um, so a little bit about Matt. He has done some awesome cover art, and he has been known as the go-to Godzilla artist for IDW Comics from 2011 to 2016. His covers include Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters, Godzilla Gangsters, and Goliaths, which I need to go pick that up because that title is like way too good to sleep on. It's a really fun. It's a really fun book. <laughs> Godzilla Legends, Godzilla Ongoing, and Godzilla Rulers of the Earth. And you also uh, he also does concept art for Colossal Kaiju Combat, which is an action-adventure fighting game, and is currently the main artist and writer for Godzilla Rulers of the Earth. So he's, he's very qualified. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Although I do have to say, sadly, um, Rulers of Earth actually ended um, oh. three years ago. Um <laughs> So I think, the, I think that the wiki <laughs> might be a little out of date there, um, which is contradictory to what I had just said before we started. <laughs> uh, uh, Rulers of Earth, actually, uh, I, I was the, yeah, I was the uh, main cover artist, main interior artist, and story co-producer uh, for Rulers of Earth uh, alongside Chris Mowry and our backup artist, Jeff Zorno. And... Um, it's uh, it ran from I believe 2013 to 2015, and we're we we were the longest running Godzilla comic ever published. We beat Marvel's Godzilla comic run from 19 from the 1970s by one issue. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> that is we're, all that matters. We were very petty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, uh, thanks for having me. I um I we met at um. We met at where was it? Pack South. South. Pack South. That's right. Uh, we met through our mutual friend Veronique, um, 
and uh and you guys started talking about how oh yeah we got a show and we're based out of the austin area and we were going to do a kaiju episode and then i missed the kaiju episode <laughs> because i couldn't figure out twitter so <laughs> so i'm really happy to be doing a little follow-up yeah, I'm, I'm happy you reached out because I like I was like, oh, my God, we can't do Kaiju yet. Can't do Kaiju yet. And then Pacific Rim came out and it was about to come out. I was like, oh, we have to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're glad. Yeah. You came. Yes. I'm, very I'm, glad. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I uh, yeah, I, I, I did. It's funny because I, you know, we're really in a real in an interesting environment right now for Kaiju media because um I've always attributed the reason that I have a career is because I started posting fan art when there was a no kaiju stuff coming out uh, between 2004 and 2014. There was like nothing. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, th- that's called the empty decade or the dead age in the kaiju fandom. Um, and I started posting art and a lot of people say, were saying like, oh man, you're like the only source I'm getting for Godzilla goodness right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, um, but right now, now it's crazy. Now it's now coming out of the woodwork. There's new Japanese movies being produced. There's new American movies being produced. We just saw Pacific Rim Uprising come out. Rampage comes out in two weeks, give yep. or take. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be, it's an interesting time. I thought I'd be dead. Before uh, <laughs> there was going to be a new Godzilla a versus revival. Kong. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's where we are right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So I do want to say, I do have some corrections from last episode. Like I did say in the episode, I was using multiple websites with some contradictory information when it came <laughs> to Godzilla eras in alignment. Um, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to read what one of our, um, his his Twitter handle is actually, actually Kaiju66. Um, oh, one of the corrections him. he sent. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. That's I think awesome. we follow each other. Uh, but yeah. Small world. <laughs> oh, I know everybody in this freaking fandom. Um. <laughs> so I'm going to read what he sent me as a correction, um, and you correct the correction if need be. I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, from Kaiju66, one thing you mixed up, the errors in his role, early Showa, he was, he, uh, is when he was a villain in uh, Ghidra, the three-headed monster. He starts his hero turn. By the time of Destroy All Monsters, he was full-on hero. Uh, Heisei mm-hmm. Godzilla is the full-on force of nature, slash nature's mm-hmm. wrath personified. He makes a bit of a face turn after Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2, but it was more accidental. Millennium Era were unconnected films with the exception of two Mechagodzilla movies. He was a tweener in most uh, uh, in most, but an absolute villain in Godzilla uh, GMK. Final Wars was the final film of that era. I would also like to say this, ha- this chat happened in our Discord, and then it went into full-on talking about... Uh, Talking about Godzilla in pro wrestling terms, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah, you start. You just said some terms, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. And then you said wrestling. I'm like, oh, that's why. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I only have enough room in my brain for so many fandom stuff. I uh, feel you. I feel you yeah. big time. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's pretty accurate. Um, that's the thing. So here's the thing about the episode uh, you guys did. Now I was just listening to it, and I was enjoying it. I. I 
I liked uh, you guys were entertaining. I will be honest though. Uh, every time I think it was Matt who said uh, that Godzilla was young, I wanted to claw my own face off. Wait, 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 hold on, repeat that. Hold on, repeat that because you, like Godzilla is, and then it went Err. like. Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna. Direction. I'm just gonna sit down. I'm just gonna sit down. <laughs> um, the uh, every time. Uh, I believe it was Matt who said that Godzilla was the only kaiju that mattered. <laughs> I I wanted to claw my own face off and throw myself down the stairs. <laughs> um, so I was right. Yeah. I was initially right. <laughs> it's and now that's not to say that Godzilla isn't arguably the most important uh, historically, but it's just that to me is like saying. Superman is the only superhero that matters because he's the first Ooh. one and sort of the archetype. Like, yeah. I would argue that the three Gamera movies from the 1990s are better than the majority of the Godzilla series. Um, and there's a lot of kaiju fans in Japan who don't really even care about Godzilla. They're all about stuff like Ultraman. And um, uh, yeah, like I... I I've had a lot of conversations with uh, with Ultraman fans who are like, Godzilla, he's eh, all right, I guess. <laughs> culturally important, really, who cares? Um, but uh, yeah, but that that uh, that whole timeline is is pretty accurate. Uh, I would actually argue that he Godzilla wasn't even really a full on hero until probably the 1970s. Uh, probably Godzilla versus the Smog Monster because. Um, by the time the smog monster rolled around, that was when they were really pushing uh, him as like the 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 Seginal Kaiju, which is the monster of justice, which is also <laughs> what they called Gamera a few times. But um, the but even in Destroy All Monsters and uh, even Godzilla's Revenge, which came between Destroy All Monsters and uh, Smog Monster, he's still kind of a threatening presence. He's not. He he's a he's not not benevolent necessarily, but again he's he's kind of uh, got this antihero thing going on. Like in Destroy All Monsters, he's people are they they had to confine him to Monster Island or Monster Land rather because he was a threat, and yeah. it was only by the virtue of them of the monsters hating the aliens more than hating humans that. Uh, they uh, t- turned on King Ghidorah at the end of the movie. Um, it wasn't until Smog Monster that Godzilla was directly trying to help people and protect humanity. Uh, did I say Destroy Monster? Did I say Smog Monster? Uh, you've said both. Yes. Okay, well, I'm getting, I, I, Smog Monster is what I meant regardless. Um, but anyway, yeah. No, that's a pretty... Th- but that's, that's all fairly accurate. Um, and... Uh, you know, there's also a lot of conjecture about what kaiju, what is technically a kaiju. Um, because a lot of, I, I actually have asked a lot of Japanese friends of mine. And I mean, I go there once a year, so I've got opportunities <laughs> to ask. And uh, there's not even really a consensus. Like, not everybody can really agree because, as you had said in the episode, it's more about the genre itself of film rather than what is technically a kaiju. Yeah. Uh, really, a kaiju is just kind of whatever your universe decides a kaiju is. Like, <laughs> like and they don't even have to be big or fighting each other. Like, 
uh, there's a there's a black and white series that came out the year uh, the that came out just before Ultraman called Ultra Q, and it's basically the Japanese version of the Twilight Zone meets the X Files. What? And it's pretty much all kaiju, but the kaiju aren't always destroying stuff. Sometimes they're just doing weird stuff. Like huh. there's one that's this weird alien interdimensional alien dude that's just running down the street with this like this crazy <laughs> arm thing and he's technically a kaiju um it's the genre is super nebulous and super yeah. kind of hard to pin down every now and then but so anyway. speaking of that we did get somebody as obviously our episode describing kaiju and they came up with one of the weirdest thing of honey that i blew up the kids would that be considered a kaiju movie <laughs> <laughs> no well i mean you know it's like the cracked guys back when they you know had a functioning website uh, <laughs> it was like them saying like oh what's a kaiju is like the twister from twister a kaiju and it's like no no <laughs> um you're ugly and you're a communist um but uh <laughs> uh exactly it's it's it is a nebulous genre like a, a lot of a lot of if you were to ask some japanese fans uh, whether or not the titans from attack on titan are kaiju they'd probably say eh, not really are they titans yeah. they'd be like yeah. no they're, they're they're titans kyojin is sort of its own term um so anyway i've been rambling for a while uh, i'm sure you guys want to get some words in edgewise no i'm honestly enjoying just listening to you like usually i'm the one <laughs> rambling so like <laughs> i love well, this you are a guest you are allowed to talk as long as you want yes <laughs> <laughs> that's a mistake um, <laughs> no um I, I mean, I actually, I, I do a lot of my own rambling anyway. I have my own podcast called The Giganticast over on oneofus.net. And I take that as an opportunity to yell into a microphone about stuff. But And we shall include that in the show notes. That would be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, um, and when I hear things like, Godzilla is the only kaiju that matters. Now, now to be fair, having an episode called called Why Godzilla Matters is a great entry point to talking about why the genre as a whole matters. Yeah. Because you brought up, I love how so much of this is just me responding to the episode. It's um, a follow-up. <laughs> hey, it's it, a follow-up. And, I, and if I we have... got something wrong, we do want to be correct. Exactly. And oh, I also coming. only have... Uh, <laughs> Sure it is. I also only have four questions to ask you otherwise, so keep going. Oh, no, that's, that's fine. <laughs> For example, um, you talked in the episode about Colossal and how yeah. you thought that you really like the monster in Colossal. Uh, Colossal is one of the best monster movies in the last 20 years, maybe 30 years. Um, it's and because for me, it's an example of how versatile the genre is and how nobody gives the genre credit for being that versatile. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Matt, <laughs> responding to other Matt for telling me that he disowned me. <laughs> <laughs> it's Now, on, on the one hand, I do understand why the film is a little off-putting because uh, it is so atypical for the genre. But as someone who has digested almost the entire genre there's really only a handful of small blind spots i have it was something the genre badly needed uh in fact the last the recent glut of kaiju movies um mm -hmm. the uh shin godzilla um 
the anime, uh, Kong Skull Island, Pacific Rim, and Colossal. These are movies that the genre is really needed for a while. Because back in the um, in the 60s, in the Showa era, um, <clears throat> it used to be that Toho, for example, would just come up with a genre of film and just put a kaiju in it. <laughs> and that's why those movies are so memorable. Like, uh, there's a ton of kaiju movies that a lot of people don't really talk about, but they should, but they don't talk about because they don't have Godzilla in it. And I think ah. that's very reductionary because, for example, there's a movie called Dogura the Space Monster. And I always bring this up as an example um dogura is referenced in the recent godzilla anime he's referenced in planet of monsters um sorry uh, <laughs> and um but uh basically it's a movie about uh diamond smugglers um it's about diamond thieves these people are these 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 diamond thieves are trying to break into these uh, vaults they're on the run from the cops but when they break into this vault full of diamonds, all the diamonds are gone because a space monster ate them (laughs) because it's a space monster that feeds on carbon. And so there's this whole subplot going on with this floating jellyfish monster and they have to kill it with bee venom. Like that's amazing. It's awesome. Or (laughs) Giger, the three headed monster is another great example. Giger, the three headed monster is a James Bond film combined with Roman Holiday. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's a monster war going on in the background. Um, it's, it's an... Ex- or, or Godzilla versus the sea monster is this crazy, um, like, castaways. Uh, Gilligan's Island meets, again, James Bond, because it was that era. And then there's Kaiju. So... That's what I talk about whenever I I, I, I want to hold up stuff like Colossal because I'm like, this is the sort of stuff this genre needs to be experimenting uh-huh. with. Like, <laughs> like Skull Island. Skull Island is a great, it's a Vietnam War movie on Skull Island. And it's also this, can we curse on this? Yeah, feel free. Okay. Be you. It's this, uh, it's this badass origin story for this superhero version of Kong. And it's this total kaiju movie. It's Kong Skull Island is actually one of my favorite movies from the last couple of years. It's so much fun. <laughs> anyway, I've been t- I'm, I've been talking for a while. So no, you I, I think, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that this opens up a perfect, like, like an amazing segue into one of the questions I did want to ask you because, like, obviously, I think a lot of the way that like we were conceptualizing kaiju themselves and like initially, like I. I'm sorry to feel like I should have gone with my gut and we need to do a separate kaiju episode because in my head, I was like, there's so much kaiju out there and such like a whole bunch that I love, but they're not Godzilla. And then this one's in my ear, like playing Blue Oyster Colts Godzilla, like from the other room, like (laughs) while I'm doing my notes. (laughs) Quick, quick interjection. Uh, While I do like uh, Blue Oyster Colts Godzilla, um, that did introduce me to Blue Oyster Colts as a whole. And one of my favorites is uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, which I think is one of the greatest songs of all time. I agree Uh, there. Yeah. So anyway, please continue. Yes. (laughs) That's a fair assessment of Blue Oyster Colt for a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so he's just playing that over and over. And he's just like, who's most important? 
who's like so like that got in my head and I got in my head but I do think that this opens up into a conversation that we ended up having on that episode about western kaiju movies versus you know Japanese kaiju movies what mm-hmm. is a kaiju movie and like do they have to be too monster heavy or is this just us reacting to a lot of the really cut footage that we got from the original Godzilla's and thinking that it's just monsters and nothing else that's a really interesting uh, topic of conversation because um, it's also kind of two different subjects because Western monster movies, even in Japan, are still sometimes just called monsta, monsta, monsta ega. <laughs> uh, like Kong, for example, for a long time was, was, well, it depended on which version of Kong you were talking about. Somebody would be like, oh, uh, that version is a, just a monsta. That's just a, yeah. a, a, it's just, you know, they were, it's just Kong. But if you're talking about the Toho version of Kong or Kong Skull Island, it's like, no, that's the kaiju version. And huh. again, there's there's no real there's no real hard and fast um, definition as to what it actually is. There are just certain tropes that the movies tend to fall into, like monsters fighting in cities or, you know, friggin' whatever. Like... Uh, there's a um, there's a weird movie from the I think it's the 60s called Daigoro versus Goliath, and it's this not terribly great movie, but it's entertaining in its own right. And it's about this baby monster whose mother was killed by the J- Japanese Defense Force, and so the Japanese uh, populace felt bad that they killed its mother. So they've been having to dedicate taxpayer dollars to feeding and taking care of this baby monster. I love this! And then another bad monster shows up, and they've got to try to train him to fight this this bad monster. And there's a whole Rocky running across the beach montage but it's but it's running through the snow drift he's like doing the doing the punching and doing the <laughs> like the it's it's hilarious and truly a hideous looking monster like if you if you thought son of godzilla looks bad uh Mania looks bad this thing is like this thing is like somebody uh mashed a hippo into an accordion oh gosh um it's that real bad kind of cute it's a cute movie, uh, but it just, it, it's a kind of meanders. But again, it's like, you can kind of, and then like, there's other movies that are kind of in the genre that are sort of kaiju adjacent, like Matango, uh, Attack of the Mushroom People, which is, it's, you probably know what I'm talking about. I know that one. <laughs> it is one of the greatest Japanese horror films ever made. It has incredible atmosphere and great acting. Got an all-star cast from that era specifically. And it's this, again, it's this Gilligan's Island situation where these people are just washed ashore and they slowly all tear each other apart. And the whole while, there are these sentient mushrooms pulling the strings from the shadows. And I actually think you like that movie a lot. It's really cool. It reminds me like the blob. One. I don't know why. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and you know, some would consider the blob to be a kaiju movie, but you know, is it? it uh, the movie is crazy because watching that as a child, like it's like a horror type movie, but then it's kind of like 
it's just a blob and it's just weird the way they did that whole thing really weird side note as a kid it terrified me and then flubber came out and then flubber scared me for a while <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> that's great because yeah you know it's funny because i didn't actually see the blob until i was in college maybe oh, and when okay. i finally saw it i was like oh this is like a comedy like, <laughs> it's not meant to be taken seriously and that's yeah. what i loved about it friggin steve mcqueen is like uh is like supposed to be a teenager he's one of those he's one of those rowdy teens who <laughs> dare he's he's gonna go off to the make out point and it's like you are 39 um, <laughs> or however old he, old he was when he made that movie but um yeah so anyway i don't know i I, I hope that sort of answers the question. It's just, it's such a nebulous topic because yeah. there are a lot of things to it and a lot of moving parts. And I think, I think different people, like from what I'm starting to get, like from this conversation and also like from what we had on the podcast and even just like my disagreements with him, like specifically over <laughs> Colossal is that like, I'm thinking you're going to like, most people will qualify it for what fits for them and like what mm -hmm. fits for like their entrance into the genre, maybe. That's that's entirely that's pretty much a, a totally appropriate point. Like, um, I I have friends who will argue until they're blue in the face that kaiju can only be Japanese. It can only be a Japanese film. And okay, fine, but the kaiju in Pacific Rim are literally called kaiju. Yeah, and, because it was Guillermo del Toro's love letter to kaiju in mech anime. Yes, I. I have Toro, but it was when he started speaking my language that I was like, okay, I think I'm on board with this guy. Because <laughs> I listened to the commentary track on um, Pacific Rim, it's and so he name drops, he name drops Toll Narita. And for those of you who don't know who Toll Narita is, he was the designer of the monsters from Ultraman. And that's a deep cut. I have his art book. Yeah. And he's like this fine artist turned monster designer. And it's incredible. I, I still maintain that the Japanese have the best production design in the world. I don't, I don't think that Americans may have more money they throw at stuff, but the Japanese make up for it by having just pitch perfect production design. I saw Ready Player One recently, and although I was am amused by it, it was an astonishingly ugly film, considering how <laughs> expensive it was. Like, it's some of the ugliest production design I've ever well, seen. And I think a lot of that comes from, like, and, like, my knowledge is, like, I, I haven't... So I'm a huge horror. I'm, I'm horror trash, essentially. Essentially, I will watch any sure. piece of horror that you put in front of me. Um, yeah. And so a lot of that has led me to find, like, my favorite genres of horror are like Japanese ghost movies and Korean revenge re revenge horror. Like those are two of my favorite subgenres. Spooky. Spooky and not my bag. I can't yeah, do it. it I'm, it, I'm it, not a horror person. Yeah, they're pretty bad. But the thing that I that I will realize that I that I realize watching a whole bunch of this is there's and this I'm gonna tie back to Ready Player One. Um there's like this <laughs> this crutch that I think American movies have where they lean so much on what they can produce from CGI versus mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. can I do practical. And I think what I found in a lot of Japanese horror, like specifically, 
the production design is as intricate as it can get because it's about how can we bring this to life and make you feel it versus and and for me yeah. like that's where it hits me and i think that's why personally my favorite like director ever is game is gamble the throttle because like he does everything as intricate as possible yes i'm going to mention gamble the throttle on every episode can i just say say <laughs> i love the way you pronounce his name it just it's <laughs> like it's like the it's like the lyric of a latin love song <laughs> Practical effects is definitely become something of a lost art form in America, although there's tons of people who still do it and do it really well. I mean, look at Shape of Water. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm of the somewhat bitter opinion that um, CGI, people throw CGI into their movies and people like to go see movies with a lot of CGI in them, not because they look better or more realistic. I mean, Black Panther, fun movie, but... Um, Terrible, terrible CGI. Are you going to um, talk about the rhinos? Because that, that's our co-host's big, biggest gripe with the CG. The uh, rhinos. Not just the rhinos, the entire final battle was just kind of this, like, unconvincing mess. Uh, but um, it's because they want their movies to look expensive. Um, the more expensive it looks, the more people think... they It, it tricks people into thinking that it must be good. Um, like... You know, uh, uh, the Hobbit trilogy are three of the, uh, also three of the worst looking movies I've ever seen because they're just a bunch of really ugly, crappy green screen. And, um, and that's not to, that's not to belittle the hard work of all the individual artists who, that they, that put into it. And that's also not to say that all Toksatsu is created equal, all live action Japanese effects are created equal. I mean, one of my favorite special effects directors is, um, oh, what's his name? He's been doing a lot of Ultraman stuff, and his name is Kiyotaka Taguchi. Um, he's been he's been doing he, whenever he's at the helm of like an episode of Ultraman, the special effects just will sing. Like <laughs> he he's combining CGI and practical effects and particle effects, and he's got all these great miniature shots. And he knows how to film with shaky cam, but also, you know, what's happening in it. But if he's not at the helm, you know, a lot of it's just kind of static shots of guys in rubber suits standing in the middle of built in uh, model buildings. Yeah. So it's, I think it's just a question of the specific vision of the person behind the lens and what they're bringing to the table. And I think that's kind of what's important. That's the way it's always been. But yeah. 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 I think it also helps too, like in my mind, like how many people are touching that piece of CG, right? Like, mm -hmm. like how many people have it from concept to like uh, to execution. So, like thinking sure. about like the kaiju and Pacific Rim, they're like I, they're beautiful, they're mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. But you can also tell that that looks like something, at least in my opinion, that like was sculpted out first mm -hmm. and like made sure that every single detail in the CG matched the sculpt. Yeah, absolutely. I, I. The first Pacific Rim movie, before that movie came out, I was vehemently anti-CGI, especially when it came to kaiju. I was like, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. See, it's Tokusatsu all the way. But the but then I saw that movie and I was like, okay, all right, Del Toro, I see where you're going with this. Um, so I appreciated I appreciated that, and then but then I saw. Pacific Rim Uprising, and yeah. I was like, these might as well have just been guys in suits, because 
it's not really any sense of scale here because they made this for like almost half the budget of the first movie. So I didn't, I didn't dislike the movie. I thought it was again, like Ready Player One, it was fine. I was entertained by it, but you know, it just didn't have that, that oomph to it. It didn't have the thing that I think made a lot of people fall in love with the first movie. Uh, you said you had some questions though, and I feel like we could circle yes, back around. To yes. That. So- yes. So, um, the big question is why kaiju? Mm. Like why do you why do you have like an island of kaiju behind you? <laughs> <laughs> um well uh you know I think for a lot of people it's like kind of like anything else. You kind of just lock in on it when you're a kid. Like a lot of us when we were kids, we really like dinosaurs and kaiju are sort of this next step beyond that because dinosaurs were like these real life monsters that actually existed and that's what makes them so cool and special and they're these things that aren't around anymore and kaiju are an extension of that they're an extension of 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 monsters that are representational of aspects of the world we live in and it's not i guess for me it's sort of like asking someone why star wars or why Marvel comics, or it's just this thing you sort of dive into. And I was also very fortunate because as a kid growing up, uh, and I I think we're all kind of from the same generation, we grew up with basically being raised by Japan. Um, Almost all of our media as kids were, was Japanese Uh, anime, uh, Power Rangers, Dragon Ball, Pokemon, Digimon, uh, Transformers to a certain extent. Um, I'm trying to think. All of our video games came from Japan. Yeah. Like every everything, we were inundated with this stuff. And I did not ever think of it like that until uh, just oh, now. Sure, yeah, that really makes sense. I hadn't either, and now I'm like, oh crap! My entire well, life was shaped by Japan and uh, or American cuts of Japanese material. Exactly, but <laughs> enough of that. Enough of that unique cultural perspective was retained to yeah. like you know. Uh, Sailor Moon, you know, had this completely weird dub job that is hilarious on its own or in its own right. You leave Sailor Moon alone. <laughs> I'm I I love it. I love Sailor Moon. I love both versions. Sailor I love says. and yeah. I and and then you know, but but they retained enough of that specialness to you know they understood what was appealing about it, uh, yeah. and that's the thing that's to be said about adaptation, like. Um, it's funny because I came to that conclusion about, about Japanese media after having so many conversations with my dad about Japan, because um, now he grew up watching, he, he used to watch monster movies. He used to watch Gamera and Godzilla and stuff on Saturday mornings when he was a kid, but he wasn't a big TV kid. He was a, I'm going to go outside and, and fight bears kid um my dad is fight as, bears <laughs> kid. Okay. my dad is as old as godzilla he's going to be turning 64 uh, <laughs> this month and he uh is still surfing snowboarding and wakeboarding yeah. we just went surfing this weekend this past weekend uh down at the coast of port aransas uh and um you know that's just 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 give you some perspective there about the kind of childhood i had um uh, he and I will talk about Japan, and inevitably, the conversation will turn around to World War II. 
and mm. the certain now he respects the country a lot he loves the bushido code he loves the culture he loves the food uh, he really wants to go i'm gonna try and take him and my mom sometime um but it always circles back around to World War II because that was the only major cultural touchstone for him as a kid when it comes to Japan was the war. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it's true for a lot of people from that generation, even people who grew up on Godzilla and going growing up. I've, I've talked to people who used to go to the drive-in movie theaters and watch Destroy All Monsters in its first run or – my buddy Lee, who who found a paper clipping from, uh, he gave me this paper clipping of when Rodan was being shown at a theater in San Antonio when he was a kid, <laughs> and and I'm like, holy crap, it's this completely different cultural perspective, and and then us, we're like, oh, Japan's not the enemy that we bomb the crap out of. We there are fun neighbors who have all the cookie <laughs> stuff and the cool toys. We're the they're the it's like Disneyland. Hello, kitty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I think that's a big part of it too, because it's this it's this kind of built-in cultural window yeah. that you can then dive in and just really get your because I'll be honest, a lot of other pop culture stuff I don't really give a crap about. I <laughs> Do don't really care about Star Wars. I don't really. I like him more. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my wife too. My wife was like, whatever. Star Wars. Like, where's where's Picard? Where's Picard? Oh, this is not that star thing. I love them both. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. There's oh, yeah. plenty of love in the world for everything. So anyway, that's kind of my roundabout, long-winded answer. Um because it's it's just right place right time right cultural impact and right amount of obsession with dinosaurs yeah. <laughs> the dinosaur thing is definitely very well is yeah. that why you like mm -hmm. godzilla yeah i mean dinosaurs are cool sure <laughs> i've got a jurassic park shelf over there yeah. i've got a popo dinosaur shelf over there Listen, i started making memories about when jurassic park came out i mean <laughs> oh man i've got i've got the old um Kenner, uh, Alan Grant, and Ellie Sattler action figures on their what? cards on my wall of it's my also, studio. It's so amazing that people keep and collect them. Like, I had these toys, and then I just disposed of them. Like, I thought what we did with toys, and then I grew up and realized, oh no, apparently people collect that, and it's a shame to play with them. Side note, <laughs> I, so I love things, and I, I want to collect so much, but my only problem is that, like, I'm the person who buys it, rips it out of the box, and just mm. starts playing with it immediately, and then everybody stares at me. Oh, like, no. What I, are you doing? Why, why is it out? I do the same thing. I, all my Transformers are out of their packages because I like transforming them. And why I like, do you I like, buy a Transformer if you don't transform it? The only ones I have that are still in their boxes are the Beast Wars 2-pack with Optimus Primal and Megatron. Beast and Wars? See, the... he mentions Beast Wars. Like, I mentioned Beast Wars because it's I cool. I didn't say – I didn't have a problem. I like Beast Wars. Yeah, Just I was going to say, Beast Wars is far and away one of, if not the best Transformers television series I aside mean, from maybe you, Transformers Prime. Where uh, have you been? Because we did a Transformers episode and they made uh, fun of me. For not, not I agreed with you on Okay, this. well, Adrian <laughs> harped on me for loving Beast Wars the most and saying that it is amazing. It was, it was my generation one. This it was, episode. Yay! It was my uh, first uh, real exposure to Transformers um, was Beast Wars. And yeah, and um, 
Uh, and I actually, it was actually my first job for IDW was doing Beast Wars uh, character art for a big source book they did. Yeah, I just, I emailed their editor-in-chief, Chris Ryle, who actually just quit um, their company <laughs> after like, God, 10 years. But um, I emailed him with my portfolio back when I was in college. And I'm like, hey, I'm just starting out. I'm uh, a fresh-faced young artist. I'm, I'm looking to work with you guys. I really like Transformers can I work for you guys? And they said, and Chris Ryle said, um, yeah, you've got good stuff. Uh, send me some Transformers stuff though. So I scrambled to put together Transformers art in like the 10 hours between emails and um, <laughs> sent them back. And he's like, all right, let's do this. So I've done a, I've done a few Transformers things as well. I'm, I'm a big fan. That's awesome. Yeah. You were so cool. <laughs> I am wildly uncool. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, anyway, so questions, though. You have said yeah. you had questions. Yeah, so next question. Since the name of the episode was Godzilla Matters, and our mm. entire thing is, but why? But why, though? Por qué? <laughs> <laughs> why does Godzilla matter to you? Uh, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of things. Because as a, kid, as a kid, it was just an obsession. It was just this rabbit hole that was like, it was a source of knowledge that um, only I had. Because everybody else knew what all this other crap was, you know. Everybody else <laughs> knew the comics or the video games or the anime and stuff. And I liked all those things. But Godzilla was my thing. And I think a lot of other Godzilla fans can uh, attest to this, that... <laughs> I, was gonna say, I, feel, I feel like that too when I was a kid, but then I just like lost track of Godzilla as I went up. Yeah, so I feel like that, nobody that... else liked it when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, trust me, you've got to be a special kind of obsessed to hang on to it the way I did. And it also helped <laughs> that I, it also helped that I discovered all these forums and um, fan groups and stuff that also really liked Godzilla, and I sort of stayed on with them and locked in with them and and. That allowed me to, and I also used to read G Fan Magazine. I still do. I, I'm, and now I go to G Fest every year, which is a big Godzilla fan convention in Chicago. And, but now it's not just a fan thing. Godzilla is the reason I have a. I was able to buy a house. Godzilla is <laughs> the reason I I have a career. I took this. I took this. Um, passion that i had and this obsession that i had and channeled it into a focus for my career to be one of the only guys in america who does <laughs> godzilla as much as i do it's not the only thing i do but i do it more than anybody else um the only other artists i can think of who are associated with godzilla in any way in america are Bob Eggleton, Jeff Zorno, and Art Adams. Art Adams doesn't do it as much as he used to. He he did a, a bunch of Godzilla stuff for Dark Horse back in the 90s, but he's still like the the best Godzilla line artist out there because he's it's so intricately detailed. Um, and then um, Jeff Zorno was my backup artist on Rulers of Earth and a great God, and a great artist in his own right. He's done a, a lot of Godzilla stuff not to the sheer volume that I have, but <laughs> he does a lot and he's really, really good. Um, and then Bob Eggleton is an acrylic painter uh, who did the old Random House Godzilla uh, novel covers. 
is these beautiful acrylic painted covers and stuff. And uh, you you might, uh, if I were to send them to you, and Godzilla fans listening will know who Bob Eggleton is. Like, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. He's done a bunch of famous Monsters of Filmland covers. He's, That's where I know him from. There yes, we go. Yeah. Yes. He's done a lot of really excellent stuff. And uh, uh, Bob, Bob has sometimes called me the son he never had, which makes me really happy <laughs> because, because uh, like, we become friends after I... Uh, actually became a professional artist and not just some schmuck um <laughs> uh, i'm just kidding uh but no, um yeah but yeah so as a result godzilla sort of has become this cornerstone of my life and this thing that's sort of been holding me up if it wasn't for godzilla uh things probably would have taken a very different turn i could be getting I could be getting shot at in a desert desert right now um, because I very nearly was pressured into joining the army before uh, the whole art thing kicked in. Um, wow. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, I, I do have one anecdote about Godzilla and um, uh, that, that I think really does summarize a feeling that a lot of fans have is um, when I was a kid, I hadn't really seen any of the movies. I had sort of seen me. I was really young. I was probably pretty much in early single digits, uh, maybe six or maybe five or six. And I had this little Godzilla, this Imperial Godzilla figure. You used to be able to get them in stores everywhere. Um, And I remember my parents took me as like a special treat to this restaurant somewhere in San Antonio. I don't remember the restaurant. It's probably not there anymore. They had put one of those giant inflatable Godzillas that you see at like car dealerships in the in the playground behind the restaurant. <laughs> and as a kid, you're like, "That's Godzilla. This is what it's like <laughs> to, to be sitting in Godzilla's shadow." And I just remembered sitting between his feet with my little Godzilla in my hand and just feeling very safe, like. It was all of the, it was basically like having a second larger dad. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and it is sort of, so I transfer a lot of the feelings I have about my dad and fatherhood to Godzilla, which is one of the reasons why I actually get really emotional when watching Son of Godzilla. Um, yeah, because it's a, it's, it's a, it's kind of a dumb movie and it's got a lot of really dumb stuff in it. But it's charming and fun, and it's got a really sweet ending. So that's that's in a nutshell for me. Oh, my heart just grew. It's no longer cold <laughs> and dead. No. My, <laughs> my shriveled, dried husk of a heart. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never find it, Beowulf. No, we're <laughs> getting off point. Anyway. Um, okay. That was amazing. That is an Thank amazing you. boy, though. I appreciate um, it. Thank you. And I think, uh, so the last one, it's a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Well, is that the last one for you, or can we ask more questions? Oh. I have two questions. Oh, you can ask yeah, more questions. Ahead. I just yeah, can end on the one that I have there, because I really want to hear what he has to say about that. Okay, cool. I guess the one is, what do you, I mean, I'm assuming you've seen the, the 2014 movie and the anime. Yes. What yes. do you think of those two conditions, I guess? Um... I'll start with the anime first and just get it out of the way because I recently did a, a review of it on the gigantic cast. Uh, right. So my feelings are out there, but um, right. it's a, uh, I, I think it's a really interesting setup for a really, in, a really potentially really cool and interesting universe. Um, Haruo is a dick. 
Uh, yes. And I really hope that sense gets slapped into him. Yeah. Yes. Because, um, I mean, he got a lot of good people killed. Yes. Uh, and, uh, Glad I'm not the only one that felt that way. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Me, me and my whole crew of people I had on that podcast, uh, my wife included, we were all like, yeah, he's a, he's a psychopath. Yes. Um, and he's dealing with some serious emotional trauma, and he's taking everybody down with him. Um, I think it was a really interesting film. I really appreciated the effort. I really like the characters of uh, Metfees, the, um, the alien that's sort of pulling right. the strings. Um, it, there's some really interesting character stuff going on, but it's kind of buried under all of this technical stuff. It's a really tech-heavy episode of Star Trek with Godzilla thrown in. That I can, is I so can, accurate. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm actually uh, the uh, co-director uh, of the movie, and I follow each other on Twitter, which is really fun. Um, uh, but no, uh, I, I, I saw it in the theater in Japan when it came out, and I remember uh, not really following a lot of it because it's no subtitles, but um, that ending is really badass. I was really uh, impressed by they went that hard into a cliffhanger ending and uh so yeah I, I i liked it um i thought it was pretty good i'm really interested in what they're going to do with uh part two but um the city on the edge of battle is part two and it's going to be mechagodzilla yes nothing else past that though we, we don't get no we, spoilers we brought this up <laughs> i don't remember you saying mechagodzilla yes we did we brought this up to this part two awesome. set up to mechagodzilla yes no, I don't. Oh, <laughs> it's good. Okay. Okay. Adrian and I talked about this on the episode. We knew that I was setting up to do this. <laughs> it's okay. No one's going to judge uh, out loud. Um, <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, as for Godzilla 2014, um, that is a, a really excellent uh, 30 minutes of a movie capped by a really uh, super, super, super well-made, very short Godzilla movie at the very end. <laughs> Um, and the middle of the film just kind of falls apart because now I, I interviewed Gareth Edwards for uh, Toe Kingdom back in 2014. Um, I got to talk to him at South by Southwest and, uh, that was really cool. And I really like him as a director. I really think what he needs is to just surround himself with character actors and people who can carry a scene mm-hmm. because Aaron Taylor Johnson needs yeah. a strong, a firm hand. Same thing, I guess with, um, you know, like maybe a Brian Cranston that you don't kill off. It's so unfortunate because <laughs> it's really clear that he was cast before all of this hullabaloo about um, about Breaking Bad had gone down. Yeah. And the he character of the... He's all right. Um, the, uh, <laughs> no, he was, he was actually one of the better parts of that movie. Uh, and I like that movie. Um, yeah. But um, it, it's just that he is... He's not a character. You need to fill that movie with characters on his level. And now, and I feel like the Godzilla 2014 had all the same problems that Rogue One had, but people gave Rogue One a pass because it was Star Wars. Thank you. And I think Rogue Rogue One was amazing, but that's only because I'm fascinated by the character of Cassian Andor. 
And like, I think that he pulls me through the majority of like, I, it's my favorite, but mostly because he's like the, his alignment on like the D and D scale is like, it <laughs> makes me happy. See now I'm, I, Hey, that's great. I am not <laughs> the, one of those people. I, I am not one of those people. Who I would never want to take away something that somebody likes. Okay. Uh, and I know there are too many people out there who just want to have this sociopathic need to tear <laughs> things away from people. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I will say, though, that it didn't read to me as shifting alignments. It just read to me as bad writing. But <laughs> you know what? That's there are whatever. issues with it. Like, there are issues with it. There are sure. hands down issues with it. That, that's the thing. On my end, I'm somebody who will love things, but mm-hmm. also admit if they're bad or if there are issues. Sure. Which is but- like my way of loving but if you got something if you got you got more out of it than i did and that means that yeah. you just you had one more thing in your life that you liked that i didn't so good for you <laughs> and uh, and just but yeah with godzilla 2014 i think it's an ex- uh, i think my wife uh put it really well once we got out of the theater um when we first saw it she said that was the most beautifully shot excellently directed um, um cinematographically amazing boring and stunted piece of crap I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was I couldn't really I couldn't really argue with her because I I think that the final battle is amazingly well directed and amazingly yeah. well shot and it's super good, but it's almost like it's a different movie because it's yeah, so that makes sense. it's so separated from the rest of the film. And yeah. The opening part with Brian Cranston, we, my wife and I rewatched the film recently with some friends of ours, and she and I were talking during that opening part, and she said, she said something in the effect of, I'm almost more angry now, because this opening part is so good. Yeah. And it's so compelling and well done, and Brian Cranston is so good in it! <laughs> um, so, but you know what? They're building an entire cinematic universe off of 10 minutes of this movie, off of the 10 minute final battle. Pretty I'm okay much. with that. We're getting yeah. more Godzilla. That's all that matters. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. At least I feel better about my opinions of those two films after listening to him because I pretty much had, maybe not exactly, but almost definitely along the same lines. <laughs> yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad Godzilla you're 2014 and it's actually like now that it's in my head thank you for putting this in my head it is kind of a very accurate like like it runs parallel to Rogue Run one in some of those ways now and damn it's you a, they're both really well shot they're really well shot and they've got really great art direction and Gareth Edwards knows how to make use a camera and use CGI I just don't think he's an actor's director and I don't think that's, I think that's going to be, but he's not even like making big blockbusters anymore. He's gone off to go make his indie movies again. So yeah. whatever, he can do whatever he wants. He directed <laughs> Godzilla and Star Wars. That's all you need. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if you guys said anything else. Though. I had one more question <laughs> for your final big, big question. Um, as far as, oh, you're talking about the art. Uh, what do you think of the, yes, because I think we talked about this in an episode, I guess Kind of either your favorite Godzilla, or I guess the new concept art of how Godzilla changed. I guess what he looks like now versus old, and why you. I guess now he's kind of. I think we called him. We called him Puffy. We called him the Puffy Godzilla now. The Puffy Godzilla. Yes. Well, which one is that? He's the, a little which thicker. One are you specifically. The, uh, the new anime. Uh, he's very thicker. 
Godzilla's always been a Thunder Thighs champion. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that is true. I guess it's more of his upper body now. It's kind of... Well, yeah. Well, they specifically... The new Godzilla, they specifically... I'm looking at the my shelf now of mm-hmm. all the Godzillas. And um, the new Godzilla is very specifically intended to be a functional animal. Uh, functional as a as a living thing. As opposed to uh, Shin Godzilla, which is inherently functional, but it's more about um, the effect of a creature that looks like it's in a constant state of pain and mutation. So, oh, okay. um, uh, because Godzilla's skin is supposed to be caloid scarring from uh, radiation burns. Um, that's why he has that, that texture. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And I mean, and I'm also thinking about uh, a quote from um, Shinji Nishikawa, who is, uh, uh, he was a designer for uh, the Godzilla, he was a monster designer for the Godzilla movies from 1989 to 2004. And um, he's also my sensei. Like I, I, every time I meet up with him, I call him sensei or dai sensei. And he just is like, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> he came to my birthday party. Yay. Oh, um, that's amazing. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole other thing though. Um, so, so, um, my favorite designs are probably going to be somewhere around the early 2000s. Like, I really love the Godzilla 2000 design uh, with those um, tall um, magenta-y backplates, these back spines, mm-hmm. and this very uh, feral-looking face. I actually got interviewed by a Japanese magazine asking me to talk about the design, and... Um, and that's basically just, I just gushed about it for like two pages. <laughs> um, and it was a design, it was one of, it was the first Godzilla, I believe, the first Godzilla designed by Nishikawa. And um, so, of course, it's kind of his baby. Um, and, I, but I like all the designs because they're all a product of the environment and the production that is that they were made for so each got it's a it's a godzilla for every season it's a godzilla for every kind of film you're making um if you want a goofier godzilla movie and a goofy godzilla in it you're gonna go with the 1970s godzilla (laughs) puppy dog eyes um if you want something that's more of an overt force of nature you're gonna go with the heisei godzilla which is almost almost regal and handsome in this lion-like way and or or you're going to go for something a little fiercer and a little darker like the 2000 Godzilla or the GMK Godzilla which has those white eyes and this very um foreboding menacing posture to its body which is my other favorite design and my <laughs> number one favorite Godzilla movie um or you know you got Shin Godzilla which is intended to basically be a horror version of Godzilla so there you go. So, so, uh, 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 there it is. Um, <laughs> my other favorite movie. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Did that answer your question? That's all I had. Do you feel bad for calling him Poofy now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's a bad design. It just is different. He's thick. He's a thick yeah. boy. Yeah, he's definitely a lot thicker than the before. That would be the thing. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, like I said, we did make fun of the Batman. Yeah, we do make fun of, of Poofy Batfleck. <laughs> he is... Uh, I, I miss... What happened to, like, svelte, slim-downed ninja Batman? Like, where did that go? That's a good Batman. Yeah. I didn't need molded plastic to improve my physique. Pure <laughs> West. Um, God rest his soul. Uh, anyway, so yeah. 
Okay, so now it's the final question. The final countdown. <laughs> I can insert. <laughs> there, I did it for you. There you go. Um, um, okay, so yeah, since you draw Godzilla and you love kaiju, mm-hmm. if somebody sure. gave you the reins of a hundred million dollar budget and you could write, create, and do anything you wanted with it for a kaiju movie, well, I won't. I won't restrain it to Godzilla. But kaiju movie, what would you do and why? Oh, baby. You know, <laughs> I, I think I get asked this a lot on Tumblr and stuff, and I <laughs> rarely have a good answer. Um, well, what I, my first thing that comes to mind would probably be an adaptation of the last Godzilla comic I did, which was in 2016, which was Godzilla Rage Across Time. That was the last one I worked on that wasn't uh, covers for the Japanese releases. Um, And it was, uh, it's, and it's unfortunate because not a lot of people got their hands on it. There was a major shipping error and a lot of issues just never made it out. Um, but I think it's actually one of the best books I ever worked on because I, the book is set in, it's a kaiju story set in the Sengoku Jidai, set in the feudal uh, warring states period. And the idea is um, that these, basically the samurai or the samurai and this uh, sort of uh, folk hero have to team up this this uh, ninja kind of character they have to team up because the mongols are invading and they're invading through um fukuoka bay which is of course uh where the, the which is where the term ka- uh, kamikaze comes from the the wind of the gods um because it was a wind of the gods it was this this a typhoon basically that came through and destroyed the Mongol invasion uh, and saved Japan from a major uh, incursion. But we rewrote history a little bit to where the Mongols uh, had Gigan and Megalon at their disposal. And uh, because <laughs> I love those characters, uh, Gigan, of course, our big hook handed buddy, and uh, Megalon, the big burrowing beetle. And um, so uh, this samurai and this ninja were sent on a quest to uh, find a monster that could defeat them. Um, and they find one monster may not be the monster they were thinking that they were going to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to spoil it because it's actually one of, like I said, it's one of my favorite books I worked on. Jeremy Robinson wrote it. He re- also wrote Project Nemesis, which he and I worked on a lot together. And um, those are uh, those are really good novels. I recommend those to everybody. The uh, great kaiju novels. If you want a, a really cool kaiju book, um, and uh, I would make a big budget samurai feudal era kaiju movie because uh, I feel like because I'm also reminded of the Daimajin movies, which are a trilogy of films from the '60s that are about this big stone. A statue that comes to life and basically takes revenge on a local magistrate for for oppressing the um, <laughs> the peasants in the area, and they're they're super high budget and they've got great special effects and great miniatures and they're basically samurai era, they're samurai era kaiju movies, but 
I want to push that angle because there's so much rich Japanese mythology you could work into it. You can do Yamato no Orochi, the eight-headed dragon of 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 Japanese folklore. You can do uh, you can do all these other Japanese creatures like kappas and all these other yokai and stuff like that. And then if you work kaiju in there, it would be great. (laughs) I just want a kaiju fantasy movie, basically. Like, that's kind of where I would want to go with it. That sounds amazing, and I want it now. And I also (laughs) want to go pick up that book. Um, Because that that sounds amazing. Thank you. like, samurai anime is, like, probably one of my favorite things it's up there with mechs and magic uh, girls so that's awesome. <laughs> somebody please give him a hundred million dollar budget to do this. <laughs> yeah no after all the slagging off i just did about a bunch of major hollywood productions i'm pretty sure i'm a write-off at this point <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i just like i just i just I, I just want to like be there in the room when you come in like godzilla but yeah i mean well the thing that kind of inspired me to take the direction i did with it was because okami is one of my favorite games of all time and um i actually made i based the entire art style of that issue of the comic on uh japanese woodblock painting uh, woodblock prints so the whole book kind of has that quality to it and um yeah so uh, if you can find it, it's Godzilla Rage Across Time. You should be able to find it on Amazon or eBay. Um, okay. The trade is out. The trade's pretty cool because it's, it's basically an anthology of Godzilla stories taking place in different periods of Earth's history. And um, we did the first so issue. I so much. <laughs> we did the first issue. So, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, so I'm going to try and find the trade and put that in the show notes. Because um, that sounds awesome. Thank you. Um, and... Yeah, that's all I have. And this has been an amazing, like, session of kaiju. And I'm just looking at all your figurines behind you. Like, I see the zords. And then oh, sure. on the other, yeah, behind or on your desk, I saw a wasp figure. And I was like, that's wasp. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> seeing like, toys that I had these... that I threw away. Oh, sure. I didn't, I hardly threw away. That is my original, those are my original Megazords. Those, uh, I got those for Christmas when I was a kid. I held on to a lot of stuff. I actually like, think all my, one, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, my, I still have my first Godzillas that my grandma bought for me. So that's awesome. I think mm-hmm. the one toy I wish I had was my Kimberly figurine from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, where the head you flipped the, it. At all. Oh, of them. they at just all of those. they just re released re released all of those. They did. Mm-hmm. You can go get them at Toys R Us before they all shut down. I was like, um, in Toys R Us gone? <laughs> nope, not yet. It's still kicking in Austin anyway. That's uh, that I know of. Um, we need more figurines, Matt. We have no more oh. room for figurines. That just means uh, we need another shelf. <laughs> <laughs> We, my wife is trying to get us to buy a new house because we don't have enough room for all this crap. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you guys um, having me on. Yeah, um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, and so I have so many other ideas if you'll be willing to come on other episodes. <laughs> I just, you know, it all just depends on what my schedule looks like. You know, I blocked out this time so we could talk. Um, I'm probably going to go back to work as soon as we're done, though, because I've got a... I'm I'm currently working on um, uh, a book for the Ultraman company for the company that that uh, owns Ultraman uh, called Redman, 
not uh, the Wu Tang Clan. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a it's another it's an obscure Japanese superhero from the seventies that we are spearheading the revival of in Japan. And uh, I'm doing a graphic novel for it. And that is except amazing. I have to do two pages a day in order to make my <laughs> deadline. So especially if I'm going to uh, be, uh, if I'm going to, especially since I'm taking next weekend off because I'm going down to San Antonio for a big rampage event. So awesome. Um, gonna be fun. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on here. Um, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and your work? You can find me if you uh, Google Matt Franken Godzilla, you'll find my stuff. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but uh, Kaiju Samurai on DeviantArt, uh, Mattzilla85 on Instagram and Facebook, uh, or is it Mattzilla1985? I think it's just Mattzilla85. And um, Twitter and Tumblr is Spankzilla85, very tasteful. Um, <laughs> you can also find me on oneofus.net where i review movies and i also have my own show which is the gigantic cast and you can find me every week just about over on RageSelect.com, where i do let's plays and uh, yell at my co-host jeff because he uh doesn't appreciate uh some kaiju related thing that uh he's like i don't understand that's dumb you're dumb get off my show uh, no, he's not like that. Although I am uh, currently uh, uh, tormenting him about Rampage because he was just like, "The movie looks stupid," and I so I've been bombarding him with um, with clips and action figure pictures. I bought all the Rampage action figures, and I've been taking That's them over awesome. to his house and be like, "Hey, hey, hey, Jeff, you like this? So, yeah. Feel it. Feel the weight of it. Feel the growth. Um, just like yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's where you can find me. I feel like I need to watch that because you just described Mad and Maya's dynamic on our show. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, That's very dope. <laughs> so, yeah, as always, Matt, did you have anything you wanted to add before we sign off? No, this, thanks for coming. Hopefully our episode did some justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I. here's the thing, and uh, this is a good, uh, a good anecdote to go out on. Um, you guys were putting in the effort. You know, you were really trying. You're putting in the effort. If you ever need more comprehensive resources, I can tell you where to go because they are out there and they're relatively easy to find. It's just the problem is that whenever uh, somebody like IGN or Nerdist or something or somebody does a Godzilla article or a Kaiju article in general – it, the fandom basically turns it into a big drinking game of how many mistakes do they make <laughs> because they don't, they don't give a shit. And a lot of people just don't give a shit. It's like, it's not viewed as an important genre because it's, it's their hokey movies from the sixties with rubber suits in them. And and but you like I said, you guys were giving it the old college try, and I really appreciated that you uh, and and that that says a lot because you know as opposed to like these these writers on these websites who are paid to do this, and you guys can't do a Wikipedia search seriously, you're gonna get the date wrong on Godzilla versus Destroyer, on, <laughs> which is which exists in list form and about forty different websites, so. Anyway, it's I'm not bitter. You're bitter. Um, <laughs> so no, no, I I appreciated it, and I'm glad I could come on and talk to you guys a little bit. Yeah, thank you so much. I I really did try because like 
I mean, it, it's definitely something that like I'll I'll reach out to you in the future for for those resources because I you like doing it. the research. Um, but you it's also it. it's like I love monsters. I love monsters in all forms, little, big, small, medium. <laughs> you know, awesome. I am at least happy we gave it a solid effort. All yes. I got is he got a few good shots in, but he wasn't on the floor trashed. Yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> well, tips. There you go. There is you gone. go. <laughs> awesome. But thank you so much. So for those of you listening, I will include all of the extra information in the show notes for you. Make sure you check that out. Click on it. Buy some of the books that he does because I've seen the <laughs> art because I may have spent a good hour looking through your DeviantArt profile. It's oh, amazing. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, keep an eye open on, yeah, for those of you listening, keep an eye open on my website because I will be, uh, posting when to get a hold of Redman soon because the first volume is, is called The Kaiju Hunter. So it's, Ooh. it's relevant to the, it's relevant to everyone's interests. Yes, so. definitely. <laughs> Um, so as always, you can find the podcast at But Why Though PC on Twitter and on Facebook, facebook.com slash But Why Though PC. And uh, you can find me at Oh My Myth Randier on Twitter. Matt. That's awesome. <laughs> Matt. You can find me in section five. <laughs> nice. Right on. Uh, oh, what, what type of, what kind of music do you want to go out to? Yes. You always do this for uh, our I'm tempted to just say, don't fear the Reaper. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm going to pick something a little more obscure. Um, it's got to be something Godzilla related or Ultraman related. You'd be surprised um, if people have chosen. It doesn't, honestly, I'd say it doesn't matter, but we've had some very obscure things. Okay. Um, I'm kind of tempted to just go out with don't fear the Reaper. I think that would be nice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough.